Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are putting aside self-doubt, silencing our internal naysayers, and leaning into the truth as we start believing in our own worth. Don't you wish you could see yourself as your best friend sees you, like your mom sees you or your favorite aunt? Why do you let their praises fall on deaf ears, choosing to shut out the good and easily accept the negative self-talk that rattles around in your head even when nothing's wrong? Don't you wish you could be your own champion? Worth is defined as the level at which someone or something deserves to be valued or rated. Are you selling yourself short? I titled this show Believing in Your Worth because the key here is to believe. We are all valuable. You are valuable. But do you believe it? Do you believe it when you hear it from others and when you force yourself to spit out mantras like, You are enough. We all know positive self-talk is important and a way to lift our spirits and increase our sense of well-being, but it isn't so easy to believe. Even so, we aren't accepting this and moving on to another subject. Let's dive in, audit our current sense of value, and find strategies to increase our worth. Courtney E. Ackerman defines what is self-worth and how do we build it found at positivepsychology.com. Chances are you've heard of the many, many self-words, like self-esteem, self-compassion, self-acceptance, self-respect, self-confidence, self-love, self-care, and so on. There are so many words to describe how we feel about ourselves, how we think about ourselves, and how we act toward ourselves. It's understandable if they all start to blend together for you. However, there are indeed different concepts with unique meanings, findings, and purposes. Self-worth and self-value are two related terms that are often used interchangeably. Having a sense of self-worth means that you value yourself, and having a sense of self-value means that you're worthy. The differences between the two are minimal enough that both terms can be used to describe the same general concept. However, we're going to look at both definitions. Self-worth is defined by the Merriam-Webster Dictionary as a feeling that you are a good person who deserves to be treated with respect. On the other hand, self-value is more behavioral than emotional, more about how you act toward what you value, including yourself, than how you feel about yourself compared to others. There's not a huge difference between self-worth and self-esteem, especially for those who are not professionals in the field of psychology. In fact, the first definition of self-worth on the Merriam-Webster Dictionary website is simply self-esteem. The World Book Dictionary definition of self-esteem is thinking well of oneself, self-respect. While self-worth is defined as a favorable estimate or opinion of oneself, self-esteem. Clearly, many of these terms are used to talk about the same ideas, but for those deeply immersed in these concepts, there is a slight difference. 
Dr. Christina Hibbert explains, Self-esteem is what we think and feel and believe about ourselves. Self-worth is recognizing I'm greater than all of those things. It's a deep knowing that I am of value, that I'm lovable, necessary to this life, and of incomprehensible worth. In the same vein, there are subtle but significant differences between self-worth and self-confidence. Self-confidence is not an overall evaluation of yourself, but a feeling of confidence and competence in more specific areas. For example, you could have a high amount of self-worth, but low self-confidence when it comes to extreme sports, certain subjects in school, or your ability to speak a new language. It's not necessary to have a high sense of self-confidence in every area of your life. There are naturally some things that you will simply not be very good at and other areas in which you will excel. The important thing is to have self-confidence in the activities in your life that matter to you and high sense of self-worth overall. The concept of self-worth may be a less popular research topic than self-esteem or self-confidence, but that doesn't mean it's less important. Self-worth is at the core of our very selves. Our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are intimately tied into how we view our worthiness and value as human beings. The self-worth theory says that an individual's main priority in life is to find self-acceptance and that self-acceptance is often found through achievement In turn, achievement is often found through competition with others. The logical conclusion is that competing with others can help us feel like we have impressive achievements under our belt, which then makes us feel proud about ourselves and enhances our acceptance of others. The theory holds that there are four main elements of self-worth. Ability, effort, performance, and self-worth. The first three interact with each other to determine one's level of self-worth. One's ability and effort can have a big impact on performance, and all three contribute to one's feeling of worth and value. While this theory represents a good understanding of self-worth as we tend to experience it, it's unfortunate that we place so much emphasis on our achievements. Aside from competing and winning against others, There are many factors that can contribute to our sense of self-worth. According to the self-worth theory, self-worth is determined mostly by our self-evaluated abilities and our performance in one or more activities that we deem valuable. However, people commonly use other yardsticks to measure their self-worth. So here are five of the top factors that people use to measure and compare their own self-worth to the worth of others. Number one, appearance. Whether measured by the number on the scale, the size of clothing worn, or the kind of attention received by others. Two, net worth. This can mean income, material possessions, financial assets, or all of the above. Three, who you know, your social circle. Some people judge their own value and the value of others by their status and what important and influential people they know. Number four, what you do, your career. 
We often judge others by what they do. For example, a stockbroker is often considered more successful and valuable than a janitor or a teacher. And number five, what you achieve. As noted earlier, we frequently use achievements to determine someone's worth, whether it's our own worth or someone else's, like success in business, scores on an SAT, or placement in a marathon, or any other athletic challenge. Author Stephanie Jade Wong is on a mission to correct misunderstandings and misperceptions about self-worth. Instead of listing all the factors that go into self-worth, she outlines what does not determine your self-worth. So remember, this list is about what doesn't determine your self-worth, and that is your to-do list. Achieving goals is great, and it feels wonderful to cross off things on your to-do list, but it doesn't have a direct relationship with your worth as a human. Your job. It doesn't matter what you do. What matters is that you do it well and that it fulfills you. Your social media following. It also doesn't matter how many people think that you're worthy of a follow or a retweet. It can be enlightening and healthy to consider the perspectives of others, but their opinions have no impact on your innate value. Your age. You aren't too young or too old for anything. Your age is simply a number and doesn't factor into the value you have as a human being. Other people. As noted, it doesn't matter what other people think or what other people have done or accomplished. Your personal satisfaction and fulfillment are much more important than what others are thinking, saying, or doing. How far you can run. Your mile runtime is one of the least important factors of your self-worth, or anything else for that matter. If you enjoy running and feel fulfilled by improving your time, good for you. If not, good for you too. Your ability to run does not determine your self-worth. Your grades. We all have different strengths and weaknesses, and some of us are simply not cut out for class. This has no bearing on your value as people, and a straight-A student is just as valuable and worthy as a straight-F student or a dropout. The number of friends you have. Your value as a human has absolutely nothing to do with how many friends or connections you have. The quality of your relationships is what is really important. Your relationship status. Whether you're flying solo, casually dating, or in a committed relationship, your value is exactly the same. Your relationship doesn't alter your worth. The money, or lack thereof, in the bank. If you have enough money to physically survive, which can, in fact, be zero, then you have already achieved the maximum amount of worth you can get from money. Your likes. It doesn't matter if you have good taste or not, if your friends and acquaintances think you're sophisticated, or if you have an eye for the finer things. Your worth is the same either way. Anything or anyone but yourself. Here we get to the heart of the matter. You are the only one who determines your self-worth. If you believe you're worthy and valuable, you are worthy and valuable. Even if you don't believe you're worthy and valuable, guess what? 
you still are worthy and valuable. Let's answer a series of questions. These are self-reflection questions that will help you with your perceived worth. In which situations do you tend to compare yourself with others? Let's think about that. In what areas are you most critical of yourself? Oh boy, I better pull out a bigger piece of paper. In which situations were you pretending to be someone you are not so others would like and accept you? When do you feel like your sense of self-worth increases? What is the thing you fear the most that people would say of you? When do you feel most insecure? Now you might be thinking, okay, I know what does and doesn't and shouldn't determine self-worth, but what does healthy self-worth really look like? Given what we know about the detriments of self-worth, let's talk about a few examples of healthy self-worth. Bill is not a great student. He gets mostly B's and C's, even when he spends a great till of time studying. He didn't get a great score in his SATs, and he's an average reader, a struggling writer, and nobody's idea of a mathematician. Even though Bill wishes he had better grades, he still feels pretty good about himself. He knows that grades aren't everything, and that he's just as valuable a person as his straight-A friends. Bill has a high sense of self-worth and a realistic view of himself and his abilities. Next, let's consider Amy. Amy has a wide variety of interests, including marathons, attending book clubs, playing weekly trivia with her friends, and meeting new people. Amy's not particularly good at running and has never placed in a marathon. She's a slow reader and frequently misses the symbolism and themes that her fellow book club members pick up on. She only answers about 10% of the trivia questions correctly and leans on her friend's knowledge quite often. Finally, she loves to talk to new people, but sometimes she gets blown off and ignored. Despite all of this, she still believes that she is worthy and valuable. She knows that her worth as a human is not dependent on her ability to run, read, play trivia, or make new friends. Whether she's great, terrible, or somewhere in between at each of her vast range of chosen activities, she knows she is still worthy of happiness, fulfillment, and love. Finally, let's consider Marcus. Marcus is an excellent salesman and frequently outsells most of the other people in his company, but one coworker seems to always be just a bit ahead of him. He's also an avid squash player and frequently competes in tournaments. Sometimes he gets first or second place, but usually he doesn't place at all. Even though he's not the best at his job or his favorite hobby, Marcus still feels that he's valuable. He thinks he's smart, talented, and successful, even though he's not the smartest, most talented, or most successful, and he's okay with that. Bill, Amy, and Marcus all have healthy levels of self-worth. They have varying levels of abilities and talents, and they get a wide range of results from their efforts. But they all understand that what they do is not who they are. No matter whether they win awards or garner accolades for their performance or not, they still have the same high opinion of their value 
as a person. So how can you increase self-worth and self-value in adults? First, take a look back at the list of what does not determine self-worth. We already covered that. Remind yourself that your bank account, job title, attractiveness, and social media following have nothing to do with how valuable or worthy a person you are. It's easy to get caught up in chasing money, status, and popularity, especially when these things are highly valued by those around us and by social media in general. But make an effort to take a step back and think about what truly matters when determining people's worth. Their kindness, compassion, empathy, respect for others, and how well they treat those around them. Second, work on identifying, challenging, and externalizing your critical inner voice. We all have an inner critic that loves to nitpick and point out our flaws. It's natural to let this inner critic get the best of us sometimes, but if we let them win too often, they start to think that they're right. Whenever you notice your inner critic start to fire up with criticisms, make them pause for a moment. Ask yourself whether they have any basis in fact, whether they're being kind or not, and whether what they're telling you is something you need to know. If none of these things are true, feel free to tell them to get out. Challenge them on the things they whisper in your ear and remind them that no matter what you do or don't do, you are worthy and valuable all the same. Are you interested in getting an idea of what your current self-worth is? If so, you're in luck. There is a scale that is perfectly suited for this curiosity, also known as the Contingency of Self-Worth Scale. It consists of 35 items that measure self-worth in seven different domains. So here are the seven domains with an example item from each domain. Approval from others. Like, I don't care if people have a negative opinion of me. Physical appearance. My self-esteem is influenced by how attractive I think my face or facial features are. Outdoing others in competition. My self-worth is affected by how well I do when I'm competing with others. Academic competence. I feel bad about myself whenever my academic performance is lacking. Family love and support. My self-worth is not influenced by the quality of my relationships with my family members. Being a virtuous or moral person. My self-esteem depends on whether or not I follow my moral or ethical principles. God's love. My self-esteem would suffer if I didn't have God's love. Each item is rated on a scale from one, strongly disagree, to seven, strongly agree. Once you've rated each item, sum the answers to the five items for each domain and divide the total by five for the subscale score. Just so that you get that. <laughs> Each one of the seven that I just mentioned can be rated from one to seven. Strongly disagree is one, to strongly agree is seven. Once you've rated each of those seven, sum the answers, so total them up, 
to the five items for each domain and divide the total by five. According to the author and self-growth guru, Adam Skikinski, there are five vital exercises for developing and maintaining self-worth. He lays them out in five stages, but there's no need to keep them in any strict order. It's fine to move back and forth to revisit stages. One, increasing your self-understanding. An important activity on the road to self-worth is to build self-understanding. You need to learn who you are and what you want before you can decide you are a worthy human being. Adam recommends this simple thought experiment to work on increasing your understanding of yourself. So, imagine that everything you have is suddenly taken away from you, like possessions, relationships, friendships, status, career, accomplishments, achievements, etc. Now, ask yourself the following questions. What if everything I have was suddenly taken away from me? What if all I had left was just myself? How would that make me feel? What would I actually have that would be of value? Think about your answers to these questions and see if you can come to this conclusion. No matter what happens externally and no matter what's taken away from me, I'm not affected internally. Next, get to know yourself on a deeper level with these questions. Who am I? Who am I not? How am I? How am I in the world? How do others see me? How do others speak about me? What key life moments define who I am today? What brings me the most passion, fulfillment, and joy? Once you have a good understanding of who you are and what fulfills and satisfies you, it's time to look at what isn't so great or easy about being you. So ask yourself these questions. Where do I struggle most? What do I need to improve? What fears often hold me back? What habitual emotions hurt me? What mistakes do I tend to make? Where do I tend to constantly let myself down? Finally, take a moment to look at the flip side. Ask yourself, what abilities do I have? What am I really good at? Spend some time on each step, but especially on the steps that remind you of your worth and your value as a person. Once you have a better idea of who you are, the next step is to enhance your acceptance of yourself. Start by forgiving yourself for anything you noted in the items earlier. Think of any struggles needs for improvement, mistakes, and bad habits you have, and commit to forgiving yourself and accepting yourself without judgment or excuses. Think about everything you've learned about yourself and then repeat these statements. I accept the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
I fully accept every part of myself, including my flaws, fears, behaviors, and qualities I might not be so proud of. This is how I am, and I'm at peace with that. Now that you've worked on accepting yourself for who you are, you can begin to build love and care for yourself. Make it a goal to extend yourself kindness, tolerance, generosity, and compassion. To boost self-love, start paying attention to the tone you use with yourself. Commit to being more positive and uplifting when you're talking to yourself. If you're not sure how to start, think or say out loud these simple statements. I feel valued and special. I love myself wholeheartedly. I am a worthy and capable person. Once you understand, accept, and love yourself, you will reach a point where you no longer depend on people, accomplishments, or other external factors for your self-worth. At this point, the best thing you can do is to recognize your worth and appreciate yourself for the work that you've done to get here, as well as continuing to maintain your self-understanding, self-acceptance, self-love, and of course, self-worth. To recognize your self-worth, remind yourself that you no longer need to please other people. Can I say that again? You no longer need to please other people. No matter what people do or say, and regardless of what happens outside of you, you alone control how you feel about yourself. You have the power to respond to events and circumstances based on your internal sources, resources, and resourcefulness, which are the reflection of your true value. Your value comes from inside, from an internal measure that you've set for yourself. It's time to take responsibility for yourself. In this stage, you will be practicing being responsible for yourself, your circumstances, and your problems. Follow these guidelines to ensure you're working on this exercise in a healthy way. Take full responsibility for everything that happens to you without giving your personal power and your agency away. Acknowledge that you have the personal power to change and influence the events and circumstances in your life. Remind yourself of what you've learned through all of these exercises and know that you hold the power in your own life. Revel in your well-earned sense of self-worth and make sure to maintain it. To me, knowledge is power. I can increase my confidence and sense of value when I feel educated and in control of my thoughts and feelings. I'm not afraid of a challenge or to admit I'm still learning, so no shame there. Knowledge is also freedom. I know I will never be stuck for long. No matter what I encounter, with a little preparation, learning, and growth, I can move on. With this knowledge, I'm free to try anything. Where do you feel stuck? And what would it take for you to break free? Taking this type of self-evaluation is critical to your feeling of freedom. Michael Stanwyck shares 10 thought habits of people with high self-worth. This is found at wholelifechallenge.com. There are simple concepts, yet they may seem strange, especially if you spend a lifetime struggling with confidence or self-esteem. 
But consistently working to adopt these beliefs about yourself can pay off big time in virtually all areas of your life. So we're going to take a few minutes and go through here. Pick a couple to try on for yourself and see what happens. No matter what I've done or haven't done, I'm worthy of love. A person with a high sense of self-worth takes responsibility for their mistakes, but doesn't degrade themselves for making them. If they goof, they said, I did a bad thing, instead of, I am a bad person. They say sorry when they need to and do what they can to make things right. They don't grieve alone, but lean on their loved ones for support. They know that they're not the only person who experienced this and that by sharing their story with people who have earned the right to hear it, they're taking good care of themselves. On the other side of things, the self-worthy person does not become overly dependent on success, flattery, or adoration. This person is confident and takes pride in their achievements, but shows grace and humility too. They don't do things to get love. They do things for the love of them. This person welcomes both success and failure, both of which are useful, largely subjective, and never a barometer of a person's worthiness. My things do not define me. You are not the clothes you wear, the car you drive, or the relationship you do or don't have. Yes, it's healthy and even fun to enjoy the finer things in life. And a person with solid self-worth is able to do so joyously. But this same person also recognizes the importance of everything. Money comes and goes. Relationships end. Accidents happen. Things lose value, break down, get old, get lost, and die. The person who honors their worthiness knows that they can enjoy external things without attaching their identity to them. They appreciate what they have while they have it and wholeheartedly strive to get what they truly want. But they also know that even without these things, they can still look in the mirror and say, you are enough. I'm allowed to feel whatever I'm feeling. People with self-worthiness are not always happy. They feel all the same feelings that anyone else feels. The difference is that a person with a solid sense of self-worth creates space for their emotions without feeling guilty about them. They understand that their emotions are just tools that are helping them pay attention. They notice their emotions and allow them to be as they are. Then, when this person no longer needs those emotions, they simply let them go. I delight in the joy of missing out. A self-worthy person is not afraid to be alone. They love hanging out with their closest friends and family, but also cherish solo time. This person doesn't go to parties and events simply because they're afraid to be left out. They believe the people who really matter will always welcome them, and even if they don't, they'll still be okay on their own. This person knows that what other people think about them is none of their business. They create time and space for themselves and honor that by setting firm boundaries. They don't allow people to encroach on their privacy. They invite people into their lives who have earned the right to be there and recognize that other people have the right to invite them, or not, as well. 
If it's not about what happens, it's about how I respond to what happens. People who have a high sense of self-worth haven't had easier lives than people who don't. They simply remember that only they are responsible for their feelings, thoughts, and actions. They don't stay stuck in victimhood, and they don't spend too much time feeling sorry for themselves when things hit the fan. But it's not that people with self-worth never feel bad or get down on themselves. They do. We all do. The difference comes in how these feelings are handled. Rather than getting stuck in what's wrong right now, there's a more powerful way to approach obstacles and the resulting negative feelings. We can choose to acknowledge these feelings, forgive ourselves for whatever we labeled as wrong, and move forward with new information we've gathered because of these experiences. How about, I do what I love and I love what I do. What do you value most in life? What do you look forward to doing? What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Or what would you still do even if you knew you could fail? A self-worthy person puts their needs first. That doesn't mean that they're selfish. It simply means that they know it's each person's responsibility to put their own needs first. They inherently know that they can only love and help others to the extent that they can love and help themselves. So they make time and they set aside energy to invest in a life they want. I see myself in others. Self-worth requires the belief that the world is like a mirror. If people are judging you, it's because you're reflecting a part of them that they've yet to accept. Sure, their judgment may hurt, but ultimately, it's about them. It doesn't have to become your truth, and their judgment can only hurt you to the extent that you hold that judgment against yourself as well. The same is true for when you judge others. Whatever you see in someone else is something you have in you. To this end, self-worthy people are thankful for the challenging people in their lives because they see them as opportunities to learn more about themselves. I believe in something greater than myself. You don't have to believe in God or subscribe to any organized religion to have self-worth. But having the belief in some higher power, some unifying connection between everyone and everything can be enough to help you keep things in perspective. Even that part of humanity that existed before you were born and that will contribute to and leave behind when you're gone. A person with a high sense of self-worth is neither full of themselves nor thinks that the world revolves around them. Instead, this person remembers and is humbled by their small but important role in the grand scheme of things. Like a singular wave in a great big ocean, they know that they're part of something greater and as such are never truly alone. Every day, I find things to be grateful for. Gratitude is a daily practice for people with high self-worth. These people appreciate the small and big gifts of life and express appreciation whenever and however they can. It's pretty easy to feel grateful when things seem to be going well. A true challenge is to find things you can say thank you for even when you're going through some of your greatest challenges. The story I tell about my life means everything. 
The way that you think influences the way that you live. If you can believe this statement and start changing your thoughts based on your belief, expect to experience some serious self-growth, new opportunities, and a deepening and empowering sense of self-love. So ask yourself, what kind of life story are you telling yourself? What do you say always, never, should, or ought to about? Are these exceptions actually true? Where do they come from? A person with high self-worth asks these questions. They may write them down in a journal or discuss them with a trusted friend. They enjoy the process of learning and at any moment realize that they have the power to change their own story. Patty Duke said, it's toughest to forgive ourselves, so it's probably best to start with other people. It's almost like peeling an onion. Layer by layer, forgiving others, you really do get to the point where you can forgive yourself. Isn't that the truth? That sounds like great advice. Practice forgiving yourself by forgiving others. Once you're in the habit, don't stop. It's difficult to identify and celebrate your worth when you're hanging on to shame, guilt, and regret. Talk about a toxic emotional soup. Free yourself to move from one season to the next. Remember, we're all learning and evolving. And if we had all the answers and did everything perfectly, well, I'm not even going to finish that thought because it wouldn't make sense. The world wouldn't make sense. Dust yourself off. Let go. Tell yourself it's going to be all right and keep putting one foot in front of the other till you hit your next destination. Heck, lift your chin or you'll miss some pretty cool things along the way. On Eddie Perino's YouTube channel, I found a motivational message that will get you pumped. Believe in yourself. Let's take a listen. There are a few things you just can't learn from a textbook that you have to live through, to see, to be fully entrenched in. Because here is a simple truth. This world is a tough place. Getting what you want, making the most of the time you have requires that you put yourself in the position to succeed. It means you see a finish line before one exists. Look, no one's ever going to call you and tell you how incredible your idea is. You can't build a business on potential or win a championship on promise. Results are binary. You either accomplished something or you simply did not. Right? That's it. That's what people see, the result. So that means every second, every step of the way from where you are right now until you cross the finish line depends on you and your thoughts. How you internalize failure, how you look at setbacks, when no one is around to pat you on the back or tell you how great you are, will you have enough self-belief to move forward? Because my friends, that's the hardest part. That's what no one talks about. Having the courage to wake up every single day of your life and know that you are building towards something incredible. You are creating a masterpiece from the ground up. 
And that means that when you're looking in the mirror, you believe in what's staring back at you. You see the unseen and you are willing to bring it to life. That is the foundation that you build greatness on. And it's a daily pursuit, creating milestones, designing the small wins that keep you going, that keep you moving, that get you past all those times you so desperately want to turn around, but know that for you, it simply isn't an option. That is not your reality. You have more waiting for you. And so you press on, cloaked in confidence, you move into the unknown, seeking the day the rest of the world looks up and calls you lucky. They'll look at what you built and say how fortunate you are, but they won't comprehend the 20 hour days, the focus, the ridicule for being different or obsessive or non-conformist. They won't know that self-belief trumped all of that that it was everything. The word great is separate for a reason. It implies a specific set of beliefs and values. It means you saw light when most people saw darkness. It means you said yes when most people said no. You move forward when the rest of the world turned around. Believe in your greatness. See it, live it. It is there and you need to know that it's there because it will make all the difference. Your self-belief will define you. share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, quiet self-talk that doesn't lift, encourage, inspire, or motivate. Practice self-forgiveness by forgiving others first. Believe that your worth is highly valued. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. I stumble through until the path.